Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. One of the things that I love about Wednesday night is the interaction that we have with one another, and I learn from you as you share, and, and so it's kind of a group teaching that we get to do together. The, other, the challenge, though, is for people in the back, it's hard to hear someone uh, sharing a point or asking a question. So I try to remember to kind of repeat what somebody said, but I would just in, encourage you if, you, if you do want to share or if you do want to hear, to move as much forward to as possible. We thought of things of putting microphones out on the stands, but that, that usually scares people a microphone. Uh, but we're doing the best we can to make sure you can hear because I want you to hear what people are saying. There's some amazing things being said. So if it's, if it's convenient for you to move forward, not tonight, you don't have to worry about it tonight, but maybe next Wednesday if, to hear better. Uh, we're doing, and if you have another idea of how we can get it out there to folks that it's feasible, then uh, we're open to that as well. But love hearing from all of you. And, but if you, if you wanna sit in the back, nothing wrong with that. That's my preferred seat when I go to church somewhere. <laughs> Me and my dad were back row Baptists is what they used to call us, so that's, it's in my blood, you know, to be a back row Baptist, but the question of the ages, why? That's what we're studying, and last uh, few weeks we were talking about when tragedy strikes, how do we respond? Well, Job responded five ways. First of all, he grieved his loss. When we have a loss, we need to grieve it. God's given us grief as a gift to cope with loss. Job worshiped, which is amazing, that he could fall down and worship God after losing everything. Job surrendered. He, he admitted that he's not in control of his life. He surrendered to God. And Job blessed the Lord. He said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Love that song. But most importantly, Job did not sin. And we're going to see some strong reactions from Job in the weeks ahead. He's going to He's going to get, go to a pretty dark place, and he's going to share from the depths of his heart, but in, through it all, he does not cross the line into sinning. And so we, we can see that when he had questions, he brought them to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. He didn't sin in his questioning. And so through it all, Job did not sin, even though he was very honest and very transparent. So we'll dig into that a little bit more. Tonight, we're going to start a couple uh, uh, studies on the subject of the test of integrity. I mean, you know, integrity is much needed in our society today. There's a great lack of it. Someone once said integrity is, is doing the right thing when no one's around. Yeah, when you, know, you, you have that absolute privacy and you still do the right thing. We're going to define it a little more in the Hebrew as well. So this is really fascinating because this is about Job's integrity and not only does Satan try to test his integrity, so does Job's wife, as we're going to get into it. So we're actually going to see some marriage dynamics in how that works together. And so we'll have like a, a mini marriage retreat here on Wednesday night because Job probably made some mistakes in, in dealing with his wife as well yeah, because she suffered great loss just like he did. So we're going to dig into that and see some marriage dynamics. But first of all, let's see how Satan tried to rob Job of his integrity. 
Job chapter 2, verse 1. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face, which is what he said last time. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. Wow. So how long do you think it had been between the time Satan took all of his possessions and family and then when he's now going to take Job's health? Any, I, I mean, there's no, there's no example in Scripture to let us know how long it must have been. Was it immediate, right after he lost everything? Was it days? Was it weeks? Was it months? We don't know. Any, anybody have an idea? Want to take a guess at it? Your guess is as good as mine? Yes. Okay, good. That's probably Satan's plan. Yeah, I got him down. He didn't sin, so I need to hit him quickly. Very good possibility. Any other thoughts of how long it might have been? Well, perhaps a couple of weeks to allow him time to ruminate on, you know, all the, all the things that have befallen him and uh, give him that time to, you know, build up a, build up a resentment. That's true. So that a delay can Satan can use an attack and a delay to to do to accomplish some kind of nefarious means as well. So that's a good point. One thing that we a, a, a hint may be in Job's wife saying you're still holding on to your integrity. So there had to be some period of time where she witnessed that that she said, you know, you know, maybe she was. Uh, complaining, and also it took time for Job to grieve, so that may have uh, intended it, but it could have been immediately after, which was just a, a total shock to his system. He hadn't even gotten over the last one before the new one came. And Satan said he had been roaming throughout the earth, the earth. So he made a that probably took him a little time to roam throughout the earth for a little while. So we don't know, but we can only guess. Now, the setting and the questions are the same as last time. God asked Satan, where you been? Even though God knew, God knows all things. And Satan says, oh yeah, here and there, the same evasive, disrespectful answer. And so, this, again, Satan doesn't bring up Job, God does. Have you seen my servant Job? And so it's kind of interesting that, that God brings it up almost as a challenge to Satan. Have you, have you noticed that your plan didn't work, buddy? And so God brings up the subject of Job again, and he repeats, have you seen my servant Job who is blameless, upright, fears God, shuns evil? Same four qualities that, were, that represented Job before, except now God adds one more, integrity. 
So Job was not only blameless, upright, fears God, and shuns evil. He was a man of integrity. And so God adds this other quality to his character. Because, you know, it's, it's interesting as we're going to define integrity. It is similar to being upright and, and blameless, but there's some dif- differentiation. It's, being, it's going even further of being upright and blameless. And so going further than being upright and blameless is integrity. That's the, that's the deeper step of integrity. In fact, you can't have integrity unless you're upright with the Lord and serving the Lord. And that's all what integrity is about. But God goes even deeper, and he wants to do the same for you and me. He wants us to go deeper in our faith, deeper in his righteousness, deeper in our obedience, so that we not are just upright, we are people of integrity. And the Lord points out the fact that Job still maintains that integrity despite the tragedies he has endured. He he connects them. He tells Satan, in spite of all you did, he still maintains his integrity. So the first point I want us to discuss tonight is For integrity to be proven, it must be tested. You won't know if you have integrity until it's tested. Until you're tempted or given an opportunity to do the wrong thing. And so integrity, like our faith, has to go through the fires of refining. It has to be tested to be proven true. Now let's define this word in the Hebrew. It's tumah, and it means completeness, fullness, innocence, and simplicity. I like that. It's a simplicity. It's a simple faith. Like It's a childlike faith. And that which is ethically sound or, or solid. And so that's integrity. This word is only used a few times in the Old Testament. There are other words for integrity in the Hebrew But this particular word is only used about five times. Now, for us to understand it even further, let's go to Webster's Dictionary. And and it's interesting because a lot of the definition in Webster's is drawn from the derivatives of the same Hebrew word. Letter B, integrity is the quality or state of being complete, unbroken condition, wholeness. You know, if you have... Something that has integrity, like a, a vase, it means it's unbroken. It, it has, it, it's complete, it's whole. The quality or state of being sound moral principles, uprightness, honesty, and sincerity. So very similar to the Hebrew definition. Now, here Job is speaking to his friends. Again, when we do a word study, we want to define the word, and there's several dictionaries that you can look up a Hebrew word or a Greek word. Now, I don't just use one dictionary, I use multiple, so we get the fullness of the definition. And then, in, during a, woods, a word study, you want to find a scripture that has the same word, and that helps you define it even more. And so this same word, Job says later on in Job 27, verse 5, he's talking to his friends. He doesn't talk to God this way, but he does talk to his friends. He really pops off at his friends, you're going to see. He says, I will never admit to you that admit you are in the right. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. And so Job uses it again. And he tells his friends, because his friends kept challenging his integrity, 
Kept saying, you sinned. You did something wrong. These bad things don't happen to good people. Remember, that was the philosophy of the day, the theology of the day, and it was, and it was inaccurate. And so that, that's part of what God was doing through the whole book of Job is fixing our theology. Because sometimes our theology is messed up. And it's been messed up by our experience. Sometimes we think, you know, I thought I followed the Bible and it didn't work out. So we, we believe our experience more than the word of God. If it didn't work out, it's not the Bible's fault. Amen. It's our fault. We've missed something. But we can blame God because of bad experience. I've, I've seen people's theology change because of a, of a circumstance in their life or maybe their children have done something and they have to either decide, am I going to confront them or am I going to accept their sin? And so it's, it's difficult when it's close to home. And sometimes things that are close to home or that have happened to us personally we start questioning God's word and start believing our experience. But I'm here to tell you that we need to start with God's word. That's rock solid. That never changes. It's never wrong. Our experience is where we've got a very limited perspective. You know, we see this small circumstance, God sees it all. And so if you're ever tested, am I gonna believe my feelings? or my experience, or am I going to believe God's word? Believe God's word. And your experience, God will reveal to you either here or someday in heaven. And I've always said, once you get to heaven, you won't even care. It's like, oh, all those questions I had, you know, God, why is the sky blue? You know, all those questions, you know, it's not going to matter. But on this earth, it matters. We have questions, we struggle. And so if your experience doesn't line up with scripture, don't doubt scripture. The problem is in your experience. And you may need to explore that. You hear what, I, you hear what I'm saying? But Satan wants you to question God's word because he'll say, oh, how come, do you believe in healing? Then why weren't they healed? You know, you may lose a loved one and, and, and the question is, why would God let them die? But you know what I've said, there's many types of healing and the greatest healing of all is to be with Jesus. There is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more disease. There, that's the greatest healing of all. And so I don't pray for people to die, though. God doesn't, I don't think God wants us to do, God, just take them now. Just, you know, God, kill them. Uh, no, we, we always pray for healing. We always pray for miracles. But God also heals through medicine. And I've known of people that have thrown away their medicine just on their own. If you're going to do that, you need to really have some, some wisdom and some counsel. Because uh, I've seen people stop their medication at, as a step of faith when God didn't tell. I mean, you know, we take a step of faith when God tells us to. Not on our own. You know, the, we could say, God, I took a step of faith. He goes, I didn't tell you to. I didn't tell you to take that step of faith. And so people have stopped their medication and actually caused harm. In fact, children have even died from parents who took away medication. Listen, God, God, Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. It was medicinal. There's nothing in, in scripture against surgery or medicine or those things. And uh, I, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of injuries and from sports. And my mom, I remember distinctly one time, I had this goose egg on my elbow. It was just out of control. 
and I was playing basketball and I kept falling on it and it was just, I mean, it was this huge goose egg. So they were taking me to the doctor, but mom stopped at the church and the pastor on the way to the, to the hospital. And so he prayed, my pastor prayed for me and then we went to the doctor. So God can heal miraculously, med- medically, or by eternity. And so that sometimes is a struggle for us. We thought we had faith for a miracle. We thought we had faith for a healing. We thought we had faith for a new job, for a financial breakthrough, and it doesn't come through. We thought we had faith for that new job. And when it doesn't work, you're, Satan's right there to get you to doubt God's word. What did he say to Eve? He said, did God really say? And he'll say those same words. Did God really say that in his word? And even in the temptation of Jesus, he, he twisted scripture and Jesus came back at him with the word. So I just can't stress that enough that we trust the word more than our experience and our limited understanding. So it, God said that Job maintained his integrity. So let's define that word. The, the, the NIV word is actually a little weak in my opinion because it's a stronger word and it's chazak, which means to strengthen, to prevail, to harden, to be strong, to be courageous, to be firm, or to be resolute. So when it's talking about holding on to your integrity, it's, it's not just going along maintaining. It's holding on for dear life. And other translations say firm grip or holds fast. I think those are better definitions. So Job had a firm grip on his integrity. How many know when you're going through hard times, you better hold on to your integrity? Because it can slip from your fingers. And you need to hold fast for your whole life. Because integrity is something you must grasp firmly. Why is that so? Why... Why do we have to hold on to integrity? Why is it possible to, to have it slip from our hands? Why in times of crisis is, it, is there a possibility of losing our grip on integrity? Anybody have any ideas? Yes. Okay, you can make a permanent decision about a temporary situation. That's always dangerous. We, in times of crisis, is probably not the time to make a, a rash decision. Anytime you have a life-changing decision, you need to go to the Lord. You need to go to godly counsel. You know, if you're going to be moving away or, or marrying somebody, all that should have input from godly people, but especially the Word of God. What's another reason that during times of crisis that our integrity could slip from our hands? That's true. It's, it's very easy to, especially we just want out of this. We want to escape. And it's to make the quick decision instead of the right decision. Yes. Any other thoughts? Yes. Uh, well, affirmation means to be firm. Affirmation means to be firm. The word itself means to be firm. Good. Yes. If you are a person of high integrity, you know you have to respect that person. Good. Yes. Listen, you have to 
Yes, I like that. Affirmation means it has to do with being firm. That's good. Someone else. That's right. He knows we're vulnerable. And so Satan will come at us the most when we're in a crisis. We see this test. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's good. If we fail the test, we'll get to retake it again and again until we graduate. Yes, Jay. gain personally and so when when that comes up and we think nobody will know then we will give in to our integrity because it gives it gains us something that's true that that if there's some personal benefit or gain we can be tempted for that as well let me give you a scenario let's say that there is a uh, a, a father and he has a, a, a child, and he goes to the Lord, and there's, there's no healing, there's no miracle. And then someone says, well, why don't you take him to a new age healer? Now, a, a, a parent that is desperate for their child that is facing death, integrity would say, no, I will not. But when you're in that crisis mode of, the possibility of losing your child. Do you see the temptation to try anything? I'm not saying that's right. But yes, you're, you're very vulnerable. You, lo- you love this child so much that you would be tempted to compromise your integrity for their, for their healing. And uh, we do know that in the, in the end time, Satan will use miracles to deceive. So yes, very back. Yeah. To, to not be mourning and crying and screaming. They had some tears, yes. But they all say, Grandpa's in a better place. Yes. The hope of heaven, it changes how we grieve. And we certainly grieve. But knowing that they're healed and they're, they're whole and they're with the Lord helps us grieve with hope. And that's the, that's the, the greatest difference we have with those that don't have hope. And you're right. Yes. God is not to blame, yes. And, and we can be a testimony by the, how other people see us grieve, how we respond to loss. There are people watching us to see if we will compromise in our tragedy or in our crisis or in our circumstance. Will we fudge the numbers? Will, you know... I remember ha- having an authority in my life one time to ask me to, to lie on a job. And I, I knew if I, if I didn't lie, I might lose this job. And so I ended up not lying and asking my boss. I said, I, I, I can't. I can't lie in this case. And I thought, for sure, I'm going to get fired. But I was able to keep the job. But that was real life. If I don't lie, I could lose my job. And that's a test of integrity that is, is very difficult because, well, Lord, do I compromise with a small white lie just to keep my job? How many know 
you could do that and still lose your job. And then where are we? You know, if we compromised our integrity, you know, and, and then still lose our job anyway, boy, that would be difficult. Yes, Ronnie. So kind of tagging on this situation you're speaking of, you know, we'd be surprised if we would just tell the truth, you know, and, you know, maybe if you're dealing with somebody, and maybe they might not be happy about it, but at least they know the truth. Yes. They understand the situation. We just have to trust God that he's going to take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and the, the truth is the key. It's, it's what we need to hold on to. And, and that's part of what integrity is. Now, though Job has lost almost everything he has, he still has not lost his integrity. I, I want us to understand that. We could lose everything. But nothing is more valuable than your personal integrity. Nothing is more valuable. Possessions, jobs, career, fame, none of that is more valuable than in your integrity. And we need to get to a point where we're willing to lose everything except that in our life. That we don't compromise our integrity. That's, that's a test. That is a challenge. And sometimes we have nothing left to life to hold on to and so integrity will be all we have in, in, in terms of character. Of course, we're holding on to Jesus, but in terms of our character. And, and that's where our character is tested when we're in a crisis or a, a test of temptation. Integrity is one of the most valuable character traits a person can have. Integrity benefits you. It blesses you. And so, it, you know, we, we want to have integrity because we love the Lord, but there's also a benefit to having integrity. We must hold on to it with all our strength because when we lose our integrity, we've, lo we've truly lost everything. And integrity is like a light that will, guard, that will guide us through these dark times. This is why it's so important we have integrity. Look at Proverbs 11.3, same Hebrew word for integrity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And so the reason you got to hold on to your integrity in those dark times is because it will light your path. It will show you where you're to go, how you're supposed to respond. And we're all tested in this area of our life. There's, we all battle temptation. No one's above that. And so, you know, we're not here to beat people down for lack of integrity. I think we've all lacked integrity at some times in our life. And then there are other times in our lives where we kept our integrity, and we know how much better that was. And so we still need God's grace to hold on to our integrity. God's grace will keep it from slipping from our hands. Though Job had already been, de been declared blameless, he is now proven blameless. Though he had been severely tested, he had not let go of his integrity. And the proof of his integrity was that he still did not sin after all of he had been through. So he lost everything, his, his family and his, and his fortune. Now he's going to lose his health. And even still, it's going to say, and he did not sin. Wow. Now, how is suffering and pain and, and temptation a test of our integrity? What, what ways does suffering and pain and, and even temptation 
prove a test for our integrity. Anybody have an example that comes to mind? Maybe you had a personal example where you had to choose. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Yes. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Budgie. That's very genuine and sincere, and it's powerful. And how we deal with pain, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever, is, is, is critical to our integrity. There, there are ways to manage pain that do show integrity, and, and that may be through a doctor or medicine. And then there are other, but that can be abused too. So we always got to be careful. We got to maintain our integrity even when we're doing the, the right thing and, and have, you know, are taking the, the right pursuit. But as you have, have shared that you went beyond that because of pain. And so one of the greatest tests of our integrity is pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, because pain can mess with you. They can mess with your mind and your well-being. And, and that's why God wants to heal us. And, and, so, and we don't always understand why he doesn't heal right away. Remember, Paul said, I went to the Lord three times to take this thorn out of my flesh. And every time, my grace is sufficient. So God sometimes heals our pain. Sometimes he gives us grace to live with it. We cannot get rid of all pain in this life. And so we have to be able to manage it properly and biblically. But how we deal with pain is a test of our integrity. Any other thoughts along those lines? Yes. I think if you lose your integrity, you make, you might, you'll make some bad decisions. Right. And they'll come back to haunt you maybe the rest of your life. That's a great point. Integrity will help us make the right decisions in a time of crisis, whereas lacking of integrity will, will cause us to make the wrong decisions that we will pay for. Excellent point. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Pain is a bullhorn, is what Ike said. And that's the title of the book by C.S. Lewis, is pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. And so pain can actually drive you to the Lord. Like you said, you grew more during those times than any other time in your life. And so if, if, the, if your pain drives you to the right things, it can be something that is powerful that the Lord has used. And so, boy, that, that's, that's tough to comprehend. But... Job is going to be in unbearable pain, and yet he's going to keep his integrity. We're going to see that. So, number two, the true test of integrity is not when it benefits you to have it, but when it costs you to keep it. So that's the true test of integrity. Now, we can have integrity 
and we make the right decisions and we benefit. That's great. That's, that is the positive side of integrity. But the real test of integrity is not when it benefits you, but when it costs you. Whether it be that job or that relationship. That's when integrity is really proven. Not when it's, it's in our favor, but when it's not in our favor to have it. I've seen Christians give up their integrity when things did not go their way. I've, I've been brokenhearted by believers who, because of uh, an unanswered prayer the way they wanted it, they've walked away from God. They've given up on their integrity. They've, they've compromised. And I know of people who have lost their job or their marriage and, and even their relationship with the Lord. And so what is the price of our integrity? What is the limit? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> but we all have to answer that ourselves. What's my price? Yes, Ronnie. I think, you know, obviously depending on the situation, but are we going to honor God? I mean, what... What offense can somebody do to us that was not done to Christ? That's right. Times 10. So who are we not to forgive or, or whatever? You know, we, we need to make a choice. Are we going to honor Christ or are we going to be in the flesh? You know, and, and we all know where that goes. That's right. And, and I think that, you know, the, the key for us is in our relationship with the Lord. Jesus knows all pain. Every form of pain, rejection, all emotional pain, all fit. I mean, there's, we, it's been proven there's no worse torture uh, than the, being crucified. The, the Romans knew how to kill people. The Romans knew how to torture people. And crucifixion was the most, one of the most severe. And, uh, and Jesus, by his stripes we are what? Healed. And so he took his stripes, and we're going to have to bear some stripes but we're also able to, to depend on his healing for what we go through and what we endure. So when I say that what is your price, I want you to realize that Satan is determined to find out. He wants to know your price. That's what he's doing here with Job, right? First he starts and says, oh yeah, he serves you because he, you make him rich and he's got a perfect family. And so God takes, you know, God allows the enemy to take that away. And then Satan says, yeah, now it's his health. You know, if you took away his health. So you see where Satan is doing? He's raising the ante each time. He's trying to find Job's limits. And he's trying to find yours and mine. And so this is why integrity is so important. It will guide us through the darkness. It'll guide us through this. And so just like Satan brought this before God, he brings us before God. Remember, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the believers, and he accuses us day and night. And yet we have an advocate, Jesus, who defends us with his life and his blood. Yes? Yes. So we, it's kind of like we have a buffer. Yeah. You know, I think of it like that. It's like, okay, I can cling to this, but what did Job have? It's a good point. Most of the time in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. In the New Testament, they would, the Holy Spirit would indwell people. 
And so there were times where the spirit would come on um, Samson, for example, and he could do great exploits, and then, and then the spirit left him. Same with Saul. It, the, the spirit came upon Saul, and he prophesied naked, which is kind of weird. Uh, we'll talk about it some other time. But uh, he had the spirit come upon him, but how many of you know then the spirit left him, and an evil spirit came upon him? So you're right. I mean, they, they would have the spirit come upon them, but we have the spirit within us, indwelling in us, and that gives us much more strength than those who didn't have that. The Bible says angels long to look into these things that we have. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have all the stories. They were living the stories. We have, we're spoiled rotten. We've got the whole Bible. Job didn't, he didn't even have any book. It's the first book written. And so Job didn't even have a book, but he, but he had a relationship with God. And he, and aren't you glad Job helped write part of the book, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So letter A, the fact that Job had not lost his integrity, though he had lost everything else, is evidence of true integrity. Now God says to Satan, yes, I recently lost my son, and uh, and Wednesday night you're talking about this, and I remember praying and praying, you know, that God would heal him. Yes. And many, many people were praying with me, for me, and for him, and uh, he didn't get healed. Yeah. And I remember a couple of weeks ago you talked about a lady that you had prayed for, and she didn't get healed. Yeah. And but. One of the things that I thank God so much for is a few years ago, many, the first thing I would have done was got drunk. Because mm. that's all I knew to do. Yeah. But now I have God in me. Amen. And God has gotten me through this. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. Yes. And, but I'm better. Yeah. I'm much better. Yeah. But I'm in terrible pain. Sure. Uh, and I know it'll go away. God's good to us. Amen. He gets us out of everything if we just let him. Yeah. And for so many years, I wouldn't let him. And I suffered and I paid the prices of making the wrong decisions and the wrong mistakes. Yeah. But today I can say, thank God. Praise God. I'm a new person. Amen. I'm a creature. Amen. And I'm a child of the King. Amen. Amen. My son died a very horrible death, mm -hmm. and he was the last of my three kids, and both have died, wow. uh, and all terrible. And but I, I somehow believe that God loved him so much sure. that He didn't want any to perish. Yeah, and I believe I'm going to see him in heaven. Amen. I, I don't know, and I, I ask the question: When you get to heaven? People you prayed for, are you going to know if they're there or not there? Yeah, it's a good know? question. And so anyway, thank the Lord for this church, for you, for my friends, people that have prayed for me. That's yeah. anyway. Well, Joe, Joella, I am so sorry you lost your son, and I've prayed many prayers for him, and we love you. You're right. You've got friends. And this is what the body of Christ is about. 
and especially those who have lost children such as you have. And I do believe he's with the Lord. I do. I've, I've talked with your son, and I know at, at times he was following the Lord, and I just think God is faithful. And, and so I hope that encourages you too, that I, I believe that. And, and we love you, and thank you for sharing. It's so genuine. You know, this is, this is the hard part, is when our faith are, is tested like this, especially at times of loss. And God says to Satan, and I may, you know what, I think I'm just going to stop there. And we'll pick this up, because I don't want to miss a, a special moment with the Lord. Amen? Uh, Gwen, you've lost your husband. Is, has anybody else been through a loss recently? Yes. For your dad, that's right. Anyone else? Yes. Your mentor. Your, your what? Husband. And Ike? Your mom, that's right. Anybody else? Yes. Your husband, wow. Yes. Your wife, yep. I miss her. She'd be talking back to me in this class, James. You know that. I loved it. Yes. Your dad. Anyone else? Wow, I was not aware of so much loss in our church. We need to care for each other. And you know what? This church is very good at that. We have a great ministry of elders that contacts everyone on the prayer list every month. And, and many of you do that without any recognition or acknowledgement. But if you've been through loss, you understand and you're the best person to help others through loss. So, Joella, you're not alone. You've got this family with you as well. If you have experienced loss, I would like to pray for you tonight. Would you mind standing, those of you that shared, to stand right where you're at? And could the rest of us go and lay hands on them, look around for someone standing, so no one's standing alone? Just gather around. Thank you, Lord. I don't want anybody alone. Is everybody with someone? Do we lose? We don't want to miss anyone. All right, would you join with me as we pray for these folks? God, I was not aware of such great loss right here in our congregation, Lord. From, from children to spouses, Lord, to mentors, to friends, to parents, Lord, I just pray your peace and your comfort like only you can give, Lord. Job understands because he suffered great loss. And so, Lord, we know Job is in heaven and we know his children are in heaven. And so, Lord, we know that the loss of these loved ones is not eternal and permanent. We will see them again, Lord. And I just pray your comfort would rest on everyone. God, a peace that only you could give there's no greater loss than losing someone close to you who has passed away. And so, Father, I just pray that you would heal these broken hearts. And God, even in their grief, God, they would be a testimony to those around them. And Lord, help us as a church really be sensitive to people at this time if they've gone through loss. Lord, let, let us talk to them. Ask how they're doing, Lord, because some are, are struggling, God, with this deep, deep pain. There's no pain like it, God. 
And yet, Lord, you understand because your son died. You know what it's like to lose a child. God, you know what it's like to lose a child. And so, Lord, you understand more than any of us do because it was such a great loss, Lord. But I thank you that you raised your son from the dead. And, Lord, there's going to be a resurrection, Lord. We know people are in heaven right now, but there'll be a resurrection of the body someday and we will be together with the Lord in the air forever in heaven, Lord. And so, Father, we just ask your peace, your comfort, your encouragement, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, folks. We'll catch up next week.